This episode of Bright Hearth is brought to you by the Kings Ridge Elderberries, QP Goat Soap, Backwards Planning Financial, and by our supporters at Patreon.com. We have a little sister, and she hath no breasts. What shall we do for our sister in the day when she shall be spoken for? If she be a wall, we will build upon her a palace of silver. And if she be a door, we will enclose her with boards of cedar. Song of Solomon 8.8 8. Well, welcome back, everybody, to a new season of Bright Hearth Podcast. I'm Brian Sauvet, joined, as always, by my beautiful wife, Lexi. Hi. I forgot it was a new season. <laughs> it is a new season. And in this season, what are we doing, babe? Q&A. Q&A. Yes, we are. We've gotten a lot of questions. We've been gathering and collecting them uh, all through our last season, and uh, we're looking forward to taking those up. We got quite a few questions. And so, and actually, if you'd like to keep sending them in, we'll keep considering them. We don't have a set number that we're going to do. We're going to try to make sure we answer, especially those questions that we got multiple, multiple times. And we're going to start out with a banger. We're going to start out with a banger, babe. Do you remember the question? I don't even remember. <laughs> I was just going to say. I was going to ask you to read it for you us. You asked but me a few hours ago, but it was in the middle of cooking dinner. So you'll remember it as soon as I say it. Okay. So. You can go to the link in the description, guys, and and send in your question if you still have them. We're going to talk about lots of things, but uh, this first one, here's our question. thought it was a really good one. What do you think about dating versus courtship specifically and helping children marry well in general? Now, I'm assuming the listener did not actually intend to imply that we should, that our ch- we should be marrying children off in their young. Correct. <laughs> just just I just realized as I read it that it it could technically be taken grammatically to be Somebody mean that. out there would find it to make a YouTube video Helping about it. Helping marry children <laughs> as they come into adulthood. Well, so this is a great question. It's a really great question. Actually, it overlaps with uh, an episode of the King's Hall that we recorded recently for our fatherhood season. But I, I bet there's going to be a lot that we will talk uh that we'll we'll think to talk about just because we're different from Dan and Eric and and me, we I don't come know, up, am I? <laughs> you're pretty different, babe. Like for one, you have so much less hair, and I love it. I have more hair. Well, their their face is covered in hair. Oh, okay. Both of them, but it's <laughs> it wouldn't it wouldn't look good on you. It looks great on them. Eric and Dan, both very handsome, of course. Like I would never I would never denigrate. Wow, this Stepped is off to a great start. <laughs> this is off to a great start. So so, babe, courtship versus dating. This is one of those kind of perennial, I feel like it's one of those conversations that comes up all the time. I kissed dating goodbye. Josh Harris sold like a million or two copies of his book. And then... Oh, yeah. He's a weirdo, though, isn't he? Well, now he's an apostate. Isn't he? Like, like homosexual, pro-gay. too? Pro-gay. I don't know if he's personally gay, but he's oh. pro, pro-LGBT. Nice. Yeah, okay. Q positive plus minus divided by seven or whatever they're saying these days. Just I can't keep up with it. Because he went that way though doesn't mean standards are bad. No, Remember it doesn't mean now. it doesn't mean. I think that's actually a good place to start with a question like this. Dating versus courtship is that on on the and and maybe we'll see if if you agree with this babe. I think this is a principles versus methods question. Yeah, I would agree with that here. Yes. Where there's a lot of principles that we're obviously not going to move on, like our children will be equally yoked to Christians. That's a principle. Um, but then the method of how each of them might end up married yeah. is going to be di- – we're not just going to to have like uh, insist that if anybody ever asks one of our children on a date that we like no. say put them under church discipline for using the D no. word. 
No, I encouraged a young gal recently to go on a date. <laughs> yes, yes. I will elaborate more later, but yeah. yeah. So why don't we just define first what, at least so people understand what we mean when we say courtship and dating. Okay. So when I picture courtship, maybe you can add to this, but I'm thinking of a model where you have two Christian households, where there's a father and a mother in each that are both all Christians, and uh, as kids are coming up into marriageable age, let's say the son in one family is interested in the daughter in another family. And so he might tell his dad, Hey, I'm interested in this girl. How should I go about this? And the dad says, well, why don't, why don't I go talk to her dad first? Or the son might go talk directly to the father first Mm -hmm. say, Hey, I'm interested in courting your daughter. I believe I'm qualified to begin searching for a marriage partner. And so will you consider that and ask me any questions you want? Dad kind of investigates him, probably asks the daughter, what do you think about Michael Smith over there? Uh, He's interested in courting you. And she might say, ooh, Michael Smith. I saw him at the local homeschool co-op square dance, and he (laughs) looked good. No, she might say yes. Or she might say, you know what, Dad, I'm actually not interested. And the dad might go let the boy down and say, yeah, she's not really interested. And so the courtship model begins that way, but and then how mm-hmm. would you envision it continuing if if the, if the parents bless the relationship? I guess, well, I yes, okay. I'm just trying to think of the elements that make up, like that make it courtship, or versus dating, or just yeah. in general, just in general, and and especially over against. Okay, dating. I would say parental involvement. Yes, mm-hmm. I really do hesitate to say that he has to go talk to the dad first. I think the younger the kids are the folks are the folks um then yeah but i i can see a lot of situations i know of a lot of situations where it would never make sense for the the young man to go talk to the father yeah that's actually later later one of my critiques of, of yeah so that's why i'm as, kind of confused as to where you want me to go with this just I guess. as a standard okay. what would in a, a ideal situation so I guess courtship look the, like? and the, it would normally i can't think of a courtship i think or, it's a good idea in general even if dad's not involved for the the man to go seek out advice somehow before like maybe talk to the pastor maybe there's someone else that's close to the young girl something like that to seek advice that sort of a thing to kind of get a multitude of counselors sort of a thing as you're entering into the relationship, think probably being upfront with intentions. Yeah. So it's not recreational beyond like two or three dates. And if it really is like a courtship leading towards marriage at that point, then I obviously purity needs to be a goal of the relationship. Um, but I also think it's really good too to not have long, long lengthy relationships. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I, I think, think, yeah, I think your view of courtship is probably broader than mine because when I think of courtship, I think of a of a system that is hinged upon the authority structure of the family. Okay, I was going to say I've not yeah. read anything like any books about this yeah. specifically. So even when you asked me about this, I was thinking I'm sure Doug Wilson has a very specific definition of courtship, oh, and I don't, I don't know. know what that is. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember reading. It. I'm sure Doug has talked about it before. Uh, her hand. Is that yeah? That's marriage, her hand in marriage. Yeah. When I think of courtship, I'm thinking of like on the on the far end, like this. It's very much they would oppose the word dating. Most any date, they would say that all of the relationship is to be conducted, almost all of it, in the presence of like parental chaperones, um, where there a, a, a man should never ask for a time alone with a woman without the father's permission in the courtship, like Did formal. You- did you like look this up? 
No, this is just or, my impression from oh, okay. the world. This is of, your impression. Okay. And I say this, sure. I say this so people don't, so people know what, like if I critique it, this is, that's what I'm critiquing. Okay. But, th- but I think of that as courtship. And then like, basically the thing progresses and he might ask for her hand in marriage and, yeah. he, you know, and the, the idea is that the father is going to oversee the relationship until he gives his permission and the marriage is then a transfer of authority. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. From the father to this, to this husband in establishing a new household versus dating where it's like, you might never involve parents at all. It might be like, let's, let's go to a dinner and movie and kind of eventually it might end in marriage. It might not, it might mm-hmm. go on for two years. It might be so kind of like in my mind, at least those are the two extremes okay. on either side. That's why I was trying to, I couldn't yeah. figure out if you wanted me to define my view of it or, or like a, some external. Yes. That's what I was confused about. Yeah. So. No, I don't really have, I don't know if there is somewhere out there like a definitive sure book on courtship, but well, somebody gave it a definition. Doesn't mean it's the right one, but yeah. Yeah. And so to me, I think it's kind of like the wrong question in the beginning, courtship versus dating. Cause I don't think that number one, I don't think that Moses came down from Mount Sinai with <laughs> like a law of exactly how this works. I think there are principles. Yeah. There's that principles in scripture, but they're non-negotiable because no like, one went on a date in scripture necessarily. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to, <laughs> they pretty much directly they're, arranged marriages. I was say their first date was their honeymoon. Wow. <laughs> wild you know and then i think about like rachel and uh, leah and uh-huh. jacob uh-huh. and how jacob was i guess in their family though for seven years yeah. so they had seen him in operation but did you know that fresh american black elderberries are naturally high in phosphorus vitamin a vitamin b6 and vitamin c as well as many anthocyanins that serve as antioxidants? Regular supplementation with elderberry extracts has been shown to decrease chance of influenza and lessen cold duration in symptoms. The King's Ridge fresh frozen elderberries are hand-picked, de-stemmed, washed, and quickly frozen at their family farm in East Central Indiana. Their whole operation is designed around maximizing freshness and antioxidant content of their berries. Trevor and Autumn truly hope that their elderberry syrup and fresh frozen elderberries Bless your family this cold and flu season. Don't buy dried European elderberries and support the global economic agenda. Visit tkrfarm.com and purchase your elderberry needs from the Kings Ridge elderberries. And that link is in the description for you. Let's talk about some of those principles, maybe, because I think these are more important for yeah. us when we're, when we're looking at like marriage versus courtship. I do think a principle, I'll give one, you, you can list some other ones too, maybe. I think... The first principle that comes to mind for me is that equal yes, yoking. Yes, 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 yes. So why? Let's let's talk about that. Okay, equally yoked, and I would add equally mature. I would add that. Yeah, I think I that's part of that. it for sure. <laughs> I mean, because at the baseline, it's like we want them both to be Christians. I won't even obviously marry a couple if one is a Christian, one's not. Mm-hmm. But there are other ways of being unequally yoked, even if you're both believers. Yeah, yeah. Like a pen- crazy Pentecostal. That's true. Marrying like a stalwart Lutheran would probably be a very. You have to work some stuff out. I kind of feel like that's less of an issue, but maybe it just is maturity, anyways. But yeah, you want to be equally yoked. I mean, you. I like Rachel Jankovic's definition of friendship: is that it's two people on the road towards Christ, and when mm. one of those person depart persons departs from Christ, yeah. you're no longer in friendship. Yeah. So imagine marriage, which is closer than friendship. How can there be fellowship there? Yeah. If one is very mature and one is like maybe a very mature 
second generation Christian and then a brand new convert, there's not a there's not a proven stability there where it's a question like, is this person going to persevere? Are they, can we dialogue? Do we have a shared vocabulary? Even I do think about, uh, you know, differences in denomination. Like, are we going to baptize yeah. the babies or not? What mm-hmm. church are we going to be members yeah, that's, of? Yeah, that's definitely, that's true. Are we going to snake handle or not, you know, in the service? Those did are you know that questions. we had some snakes today at St. Brendan's? I did hear that. <laughs> Guys, we've gotten full charismatic. <laughs> no, we found garter snakes is I think what it was. Yeah, the boys. The boys caught All some garter snakes. Yeah, so equal yoking is is obviously one for our children that we'd be is a frontline principle we would like to teach them as they come towards marriageable age. I think father uh, in basically honoring of the hierarchies yes. and authorities God has set in place is another one. Yeah. What what what, what, what comes to mind for you around that principle? Just that we live in a fallen world and that doesn't that's not always the ideal. Mhm. So yes, I agree 100% that in the ideal circumstance, father would be involved. Yeah. Father and daughter would have a close relationship where they even want to talk about those things. That's another yeah. thing that I think would be important to talk about is you can't just go and be a uh, lame dad, lame dad who suddenly when your yeah. daughter is 16, you expect to have this open dialogue with yeah. her about her emotions with other boys. You have to then cultivate that for years and years. Yeah. I think that's where this can go really wrong. Because that type of dad t- probably also wants to be highly authoritative at that point, and he's going to get mad. So don't do that. Um, yeah, as a parent on the parental side, you want to fill, you want to to put have trust in the bank account and intimacy in the bank account to where, as a father with b- either a son or a daughter, you have yes, you have accrued their trust, their heart. You've con- you've dialogued with them about this stuff. They know your expectations. I mean, even. With with Daphne going to school this year too, and the boys, I was talking to them two days ago about like, hey guys, who do you remember? If if you find find you like someone in your class, which I'm assuming they will, I'm not assuming they won't. I'm assuming they will. Who's the first person that you tell? Do you go tell your friend that sits beside you? No. Do you go tell your teacher? No. Who do you go tell? I tell mommy and daddy. Yeah, tell mommy. So and daddy. I want to be cultivating that at a very young age. That I talk to my mom and dad about the boys I like, the girls yeah, I like. Very true. So, but yeah, in an, in an, in a non-ideal world, I think as a young girl, it would be important to have like a pastor or another, maybe if you're older, like another married man and wife that you can talk to mm-hmm. and that could help vet for you essentially, I guess is what yeah. I'm saying. And like a stand-in authority figure. Cause I can even think of friends that we know really closely that both believers, but the parents of one were not believers and they were actively yep, saying, right. why are you guys not sleeping together? Yeah, you guys need to you're sleep together. You're not going to be compatible if you f- can't figure this out. Yeah. Oh, you're going to get married? So there's a, <laughs> there are situations what? where it's like, you actually don't want that parental advice. To me, the principle here about honoring the hierarchies that God has set in place is about parents and children and fatherly authority and those things. But actually it also has implications for parents. So yeah, that's when, true. when I'm thinking about this for my children, for example, and there's some, there's some historical examples I think are helpful that we've discussed before, but let's say that there was a suitor for one of my daughters mm-hmm. and he meets the biblical requirements for marriage and he, you know, he's able to provide, he's a Christian man in good standing in the church. He's uh, mature. He doesn't have any ongoing like sin issue. He's not in looking at pornography. He's, he's a godly man mm-hmm. and my daughter loves him. And they have, you know, maybe they've even been like, they've asked for permission, things like that to get to know each other. And they want to get married. And he comes to me and he asks for her hand in marriage. 
And let's say maybe I just don't like some aspect of his personality. Like I think he's too jokey or he's not, or he's too serious <laughs> or as a father, it's, I don't actually have the right yeah. to arbitrarily refuse my permission for any reason whatsoever. Yeah. When father's ruled talks about this, how the court system in Germany after the reformation made it so that if a daughter had somebody in mind that she wanted to marry and the parents were not willing to give permission, they had to, by law, show that he was basically unqualified as a Christian. Yes. So because, and back then it was really to protect the daughter economically, mm -hmm. she needed to find somebody as soon as she could right. because yep. that's where stability was found. Yep. So if they, for a stupid reason, were withholding, and a yeah. stupid reason is something like, I just don't like this one aspect of his personality. I don't like his personality. I don't like his vocation. Yeah, vocation. Um, no. That's a stupid reason. They... By law, she was allowed to marry without permission. They could appeal, right? And the courts could step in. Yeah. So it was. This is a book um, by Stephen Osmond. It's called "When Fathers Ruled: Family Life in Reformation Europe." If you're interested in reading that, it's a really good book. But it's 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 the, just the case that God built multiple spheres of authority. You have the ecclesial yeah. sphere, the civil sphere, the family sphere, and so one one caution that I always have with the very hardcore courtship culture is that it can tend to produce families that are very much hyper-focused on the father's authority, but don't properly reckon with other authorities in the world, and the father may not be living under proper authority himself. Yeah. So you can end up with families with very strong fatherly authority being exercised, but that, that fatherly authority is not itself tempered, and, and it can end up being a tyranny Yeah. where fathers are... I think there's a lot of ditches fathers can fall in. That's one of them. Another one, like the whole, I'm going to threaten all of my daughter's suitors with a, with a, with a gun and that kind of thing. Yeah. He's not going to want to ever come and talk to you. No. And you're encouraging your daughter to hide from you. If you Correct. Do yes. Even more important. Is she that, doesn't yeah. trust you. So you actually need to re it, think about what you're saying to your daughter or your son. If you say of their potential suitor that they like, they're an idiot. They're worthless. They're yeah. a fool. Okay, unless you have really good reasons and you can you can articulate those reasons lovingly and kindly and patiently and win win your child, you actually are also telling them that they're a fool mm -hmm. because oh you like this person they're a complete idiot they're totally worthless you need to respect your your child and potential yeah. suitors is, yeah. is I think a point there that's a good principle for dating or courtship yeah because they're humans too it's like you don't just get to be rude because you're the dad right. <laughs> How would you want your son treated? Correct. As yes, he approached yes, another family. Yes. So I think it's important that you honor and respect your children and their suitors in this process. This is completely compatible with telling your child very bluntly that you think someone is not qualified for marriage. Mm -hmm. Of course, if you love yeah. them, you will tell them that. Many, many lives have been ruined by foolish yep. marriages. It's true. It's true. So I think that's a principle to take into this dating versus courtship. Either way, you need to make sure that you honor the authority structures that God put in place. The father is a big one. I think another principle is that we live in a sin-cursed world, mm -hmm. and so every situation is going to require wisdom. Because that whole yeah. that whole scenario yeah. I laid out, how, how what percentage of Christian families right now are in communities where the normal standard is that there's, oh, look, there's a mature Christian father and Correct. mother who understand biblical headship. They're also on board with courtship. A lot of us are going to be dealing with our children who are interested in a first-generation believer, parents aren't yeah. Christian. Yeah. 
you mentioned a couple scenarios like that. I think at earlier you referenced like well, this I was being just, a thing. I used to kind of be the person that was like, uh, don't ever call it a date. Don't go dating, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And then I don't think she, I'm not going to say her name, but there's a, a young gal that means a lot to us mm-hmm. who we've known since she was very little. And we don't have a lot of Christians in Utah, let alone a lot of people her age in our church. Mm-hmm. And she was asking my advice on going with, another upstanding gentleman in our area just to hang out. And she was like, I I don't know. Should I, should I not? Is it a date? Is it not? And I, I told her, I was like, you know what? Because you don't have any experience really with teenagers your age, because you've been the only teen here for years and years. Mm -hmm. I think it would be good for you to go and learn how to talk to a young man. Like you're leaving, you're going to school. It's not, it's like, you guys can be friends. It doesn't have to be anything. And that really got me thinking about that whole question of first generation is like, there are a lot of churches where I'm not saying go on a date where you're holding hands in a movie theater and making out afterwards. That's not what I'm saying. But are you going to go get ice cream and talk to somebody? Is it a group setting that you can make it a group setting? Are you guys just going to go to the library and read books and chat for a little bit? I don't think there's anything wrong with, here's part of the thing though. It's because I know her personality. Right. I would not tell every just anybody. If she's a yes. door, if she's a wall, like the but verses that you But because, you know, we've had a discipleship relationship for years. I yeah. know her personality. I know she needed to go do something And, like and the that. young man as well. Yes, you correct. Know, which is very important. It wasn't correct. a random... I probably wouldn't have told her if it was some young guy. I didn't know. I wouldn't have said that, but I know I right. knew who it was. No. So, it, But really, it was through that conversation of thinking about, it actually is good to practice because, because what can happen with... Uh, a lot of people that are older and not married yet, there can be some of these like social graces that were never developed. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it is good for us to actually have to practice that. Yeah. And I think for us, that's part of why we love the idea of St. Brendan's is they do learn that a lot. Right. But that wasn't necessarily the case for this young gal that I knew. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, that really, I changed my mind very recently on that. And this, this goes <clears throat> back to the honoring the authorities and structures. And that includes seeking a multitude of counselors and have, as parents, as we're involved in our children, we need to know our children. What yeah. are their personalities, strengths, temptations, ditches? <laughs> the verse you read at the beginning from Song of Solomon 8, 8, 9 is about brothers, a family, basically saying, if our sister, this young woman who's coming up into you know, not quite marriageable age, but she's, she's in that, she's going to start having interest. Mm-hmm. If she is a wall, we will adorn her with silver. Basically, like, if she is properly guarded with young men. So she understands her her value and her dignity and that the gift of sexuality. She's not out in the street wild and she's not in the club. Then we'll adorn her. We'll make her even more glorious. We'll put battlements up, right? There's a there's a familial family protection. They say if she's a wall, then we will enclose her with boards of cedar. And that's basically saying, "All right, but what if she's really bubbly and outgoing and you, you might have young women who are not sinfully at all. Yeah. I mean, not not unlike easy. I'm not saying sexually promiscuous, but mm-hmm. I'm, you might have a young lady who's her personality is so open and genial, mm-hmm. and your daughter might be like this that you might have to put a wall and say, "Hey, yeah. you know, you're so like you young men are going to be very interested in you, right? And I and so don't don't become like, don't become dour or whatever, yeah. but here's some, we're going to guard you. Mm-hmm. I think this is a principle for raising our children up. So we just have to know them. Like know them, which yeah. ones need to push out the door to be like, no, yeah. no, go on the date. Yeah. <laughs> go ask that girl out for some ice cream. Yeah. Ask her dad, make sure it's okay. 
you know, make your intentions clear. Hey, I just would you like to get get ice cream? Maybe talk, get to know each other. Yeah, you know, and and this is one of the things I think with the courtship model that That's can what be a I was critique. Just gonna say is that it doesn't leave a lot of room. It goes from zero to a hundred yes. so quickly yes. that the first conversation is I'd like to pursue marriage. Yeah, sometimes you need to actually have some time with a person to realize, and I mean appropriate. Yeah, to get you know. I think a lot of the modern examples of that too, it's a lot of, well, I mean, I know I'm just thinking of the Duggars in my head, which is a horrible example to be honest, but I could see one of our boys growing up with some young girl here Mm -hmm. that they've known their entire life. Yes. And then getting to 18 and saying full throttle. Hey, can I ask her dad if I can correct? Yeah. But if it was like a family that just moved in and they to the area and they didn't know them, I, that yeah. would not happen. A lot of situations just providentially or circumstantially aren't going to be conducive to knowing someone. Yes. So one, one thing I think is inc- I would encourage families thinking this through, particularly as you come to this age with your children. And I mean like 16 up when mm-hmm. they're starting to yeah. get to that age. Think about your situation. Think about the community you're in. Think about the depth of relationships you have with other families in mm-hmm. the pool of potential spouses and tailor your approach and wisdom yeah. to your situation, to the personalities of your mm-hmm. children. Don't set a rigid, it must be this exact series of steps yeah. for them to become courting and then engaged and then married. Mm-hmm. Obviously, keep the principles like sexually chaste, yeah. guarding them, honoring authorities. Those are good three principles right there. Yeah. Could we, could we make a biblical case for no long engagement, though? So? I do think that long engagements typically are not a good idea because of... Because of the principle of sexual purity. Yes. Okay. <laughs> because Paul says it's better to be married than to burn. Yes. And there you go. young people are... It's a gift from God that they're very strongly sexually attracted to this, their potential spouse, of course. So help them. Like, help them get married, help them establish yeah. and get there. Instead of being like, oh, we got to plan like the Malibu wedding. It's going to take at least two years. <laughs> like, why though? Or he's got it. They've got to graduate. He, they've got a year and a half left in college. They've got to. Gra- Why? Why do they have to graduate? Is is there a real reason? Because because think about this. Think about the way intergenerationality worked in households for a long period of human history till the industrial revolution and after. It'd be totally normal for you to get married and live on the property of a family member in some capacity. Doesn't mean you didn't work. Don't support yourself. No, mm-hmm. you do. But when we got married, <laughs> our total income was like $18 a year or something. <laughs> I think it was like, well, what was our monthly rent? You said that recently. Oh, boy. It was, uh, so it, f- I think it was our like rent on its own was 200 $242 a mortgage, because we never had a rent. Not our rent, I'm sorry, yeah. our mortgage. Our, our uh, principal insurance and uh, taxes, or in, in, principal interest in taxes was like $242 a month. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I'm sorry to everybody trying to buy a house right now that's like, well, that makes me feel really good. It was a 700-square-foot condo, so it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, but we got married. We were never in debt outside of our like mortgage stuff, Mm-mm. and we didn't make much money. I worked several jobs. Lexi helped at a little school until our first was born and then came home. So you were a stay-at-home mom, and we made under $25,000 a year. Mm-hmm. For several years, it was that. That was mm-hmm. the situation. So parents, you have to think like, what I'm worried about the financial provision piece, and so I'm, I'm trying to get them to delay. 
and delay and delay. But what if I'm putting a much more serious problem in front of them through that Correct. delay than financial pain? Yeah, like God promises to care for Christian families, yeah. but there aren't the same promises tied to sexual promiscuous unmarried people. <laughs> yeah, let, so I mean, it's come true. On. Yeah, no, it's true. You <laughs> you should um, take that into consideration. That's another obvious principle: is that we're going to we want our children to pursue marriage in a way that is chaste. And to help set them up for that, though. It's not just demanding chastity without any instruction of its importance or the glory of the marriage bed or the the glory of what they're preserving. It's also giving them the tools that they need to, mm-hmm. and help. Like, okay, I'm going to help you get established in a household. I'm going to... Yeah. We're thinking about that right now. Like, we're yeah. going to... How can we be ready to help our children make that leap in get 10 married, years yeah. or so? Start, you know, in eight to 10 years, we could have kids starting to get married. So what do we need to do now so that we can help facilitate that? We want grandkids, and we want faithful Christian children mm-hmm. who are not falling into a bunch of ditches yeah. surrounding this. So I think that's definitely a big piece in this whole courtship dating thing is like, understand that your kids are different, that the circumstances are going to be different, and that you might not have like your exact order of events. You might not be in control of that Yeah, from beginning yeah, to end. Yeah, exactly. Do you desire to be shrewd financially for your family? It takes wisdom and dedication to build and pass on personal wealth as mature, responsible leaders must. Joe Garrisey with Backwards Planning Financial is at your side to integrate investments, debt, insurance, tax strategies, and legacy planning in a holistic approach. He coaches his clients to act wisely with the resources God expects us to turn a profit on, to love our children and grandchildren well. Tap on the link to his website in the description and contact him to get started. Or visit him directly at backwardsplanningfinancial.com. Discover the gentle touch of QP Goat Soap. That's right, I said goat soap. Introducing QP Goat Soap, a family-owned business with a great story behind it, one that really captures the heart of what we're all about here on Bright Hearth. For Quinn Pittman's ninth birthday, he convinced his parents to get him a pair of Nigerian dwarf goats, known for their sweet and creamy milk. Quinn not only excelled at caring for this small flock, it's since grown. Now an enterprising 15-year-old, Quinn makes high-quality soaps that won't dry you out, and much more from the increase of his herd. Head over to qpgoatsoap.com. That's qpgoatsoap.com. Or tap the link in the description of this episode to pick up a pack of his handcrafted soap today. Available in men's, women's, seasonal scents, and more, you'll love this family-owned. Another piece of this that I think is incur- that I would like to I think is important to discuss is the difference between boys and young men and young women in 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 our aims and how we disciple them. So when I think about my sons and what I anticipate they're going to need when they start to come up into these years to prepare them to marry well, one of the big notes of emphasis that we already talk about, I already talk about with our boys and talk about in the church a lot, is a focus on the men and young men winning glory, winning strength, winning competency, so that they can be worthy of a worthy woman. So when I'm thinking about my young sons and preparing them to marry well, there's going to be an aspect of external and internal. 
where on the external, I want them to get an idea of what an ideal woman is, that she's has a gentle and quiet spirit, that you're attracted to her and think she's beautiful, that you believe she'd be a good mother, that you have a good friendship, that she's not naggy and disrespectful to you, that, you know, on and on and on. I want them to have that vision in their head so they can recognize a godly woman when one shows up. Um, and so that they can also recognize, like, this young lady is very pretty, but she is the woman my dad has been warning me about yeah, for 12 yeah, yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she is loud and rude and disrespects her parents and class. Yeah. She's, bo- you know, like. Yeah, that's ugh. true. But internally, I then want them to think, okay, that here's this glorious picture of a of a young woman that I hope to win. Okay, what do I need to get in order? Because mm-hmm. the thing is, if you do that, young men, like, I, guys, I remember working at Grounds for Coffee. And I was like, it was probably 4 or 15 in the morning, just opened the, like, getting ready to open the shop. And I was doing, like, a three-hour shift before high school, totally illegally. I was going to say, I don't even know if you can actually <laughs> Like, Monday. I was doing that. It was stupid. I made like fifteen dollars. Stupid people it was, used to do that all the time. It was good character. Yeah. And I remember sitting down and I was scratching out a budget from my earnings. <laughs> and and my whole reason was like the entire thing motivating me was I need to marry Lexi. Cause I found I found the one. Here's this glorious woman. <laughs> I need to marry her. And so I need money and I need a house and I need a car. That was what I thought. <sighs> and so I made a budget and the funny thing is that budget was pretty much accurate to what our first budget was. So there's the external, there's the internal. As I'm helping my sons marry well, I want them to have both. And the same goes for the daughter. I want them to have a good picture of what a man is, what he ought to be able to do and what he ought to be like. And I think it's I mean, this is tough because I do want to avoid making them think that the ideal man or woman has one set personality. Yeah. Cause they don't, they might not all be entrepreneurial. Actually. I think that is important for girls to understand if you're listening out there and you're single and yeah. you're like 18 to um, 30, 90, honestly, um, 90, 35. You have to be aware that because girls are highly idealistic, the way you often are communicating about the kind of guy you're looking for can make every single man that you're going to come in contact with feel like a total dirt bag. Yeah. So you, I, I guess I don't, maybe, maybe you could elaborate more on how you could communicate. There have just been young women that we've talked to. They're like, this is the kind of guy I want. And it's like, that's literally just Jesus though. Do you realize that? Like, do you realize <laughs> that what you actually want is marry a sinner uh-huh. who doesn't have like 10 yeah. out of 10 across the scale? Across the board. So... Yeah. Or even just... Um, that can be really discouraging to guys that are already having a hard time finding a wife. Yeah. And then you're just like, well, that you just want to marry my pastor. <laughs> right. You know, I think one... So there was an... I can't remember exactly where it was. There's a website where you can type in different characteristics, and it will tell you what percentage of the human population meets your characteristics. That's interesting. So there was someone who used it to look at dating preferences and they looked at like, okay, most women say they want to marry a man who, oh, you told me who blank, 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 blank. And it was like, is six foot. Most of them have a height requirement. Mm-hmm. He has to be six foot or taller. He has to make at least a hundred thousand dollars a year. And it was like two, only two or three of the things they put in. And it was like, okay, the entire population, there is 1.8% of men who meet your qualification. Man. So yeah, you have to be realistic, I guess. Yeah. 
you would it would be better like the man for a young woman who'd be the, a great spouse might be the the quieter man who is has a slightly receding hairline but is physic like is a virtuous man provides yeah. well good personality like on both sides you have to make sure that yes you are attracted to the person but make sure you're valuing the way that the lord values yeah <laughs> which is like trust me you will be so much more like to put it crassly you will be so much more happy being married to a six out of 10 in physical mm-hmm. appearance mm-hmm. who is kind oh, and loves totally. you yes. and yes. E- and drama free yes. than a 10 out of 10 supermodel who is rude and yeah. bitter and naggy and it's true. or a violent, angry man or not a faithful man. Yeah. Who's like, I'm a 10 out of 10, but I'm also going to cheat on you or I'm also looking at porn all the time. Or I'm, yeah. you know, like you have to calibrate and ha- we have to help calibrate our children's you know, compass correctly, I think on these Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the age thing because, um, this, this is going to be another one where it's, it's, um, hard and fast rules are going to be difficult, but principles are probably good. So when it comes to the age of children starting to date or court, what are your initial thoughts? I don't, I just think it's, you'd have to persuade me where, under 17 would be a good idea because it just feels like forever. If you really are going to marry this person, it's just, it really does feel like forever and it's unkind in some ways. I mean, I guess there could be circumstances, but it, it just, you have to remember what it feels like. It's not, it is not fun. So I, I don't know what you think, but I kind of err on the side of if you can't get married, I don't know if it's worth it. I guess I asked you because I was like 99% sure that we agreed. I do think that it's, it's, and again, this is, this is a 2020 hindsight. We were dating when we were 16. Mm -hmm. Right. And we had been interested in one another for some time before that. I told my mom when I was 13 that I was going to marry you. Called your shot. I did. Named it and claimed it. (laughs) And I've seen pictures of me when I'm 13 and (laughs) listeners, I do not know what she saw. (sighs) I had raggy shoulder length hair, Ripped jeans. <laughs> I played the guitar poorly. That's wise because you played the guitar. That's right, babe. Yes. Yes. <sighs> the first, I don't think people know the first time I saw you. Actually, no, you were on roller skates. Are you so, serious? Yes, because, yes, I think it was the first time my mom and I saw you together that you were playing a guitar. That's what it was when my mom and I saw you. Was it my was orange? Like, That's Brian. Tiger stripey yes. one. Yeah, and you were sitting on a rock. My Ibanez AES 10E for any yep. of you guitar nerds. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we didn't do this, but for our children, I do think that it makes a lot of sense to say 17 or so, and there's no a maturity and readiness is much more important than age, but I think the yeah. age is a minimum. Well, that, so it, like 17 doesn't mean automatically you should be dating is all yes, I'm saying. And it does stink that we live in a world where it's when you're 18 that you graduate school. Cause yeah. we, I really think we would have been fine. Yeah, we could have got married at sixteen. We I think would have been we would have been fine. It's not the norm, but I think we could have. But it, just so you guys, I mean, we were we have we were both working a lot and doing a lot of school. Like we yeah. weren't the typical high school sweethearts, like football cheerleader, football and dates. That's not what and, we were doing. We barely went on dates because we were both working our butts off. We wanted to get married. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> um. So the, the age thing, I think it does have to do with like, there's some minimums you should consider. And if you have, again, if you have these lines of communication open, you're winning your children's hearts and their respect. They know you can trust them. They know you're not going to belittle them. And they know that you're going to just respect. If they come and tell you, mom, I, I'm really like, I, 
I, I really love this, this young lady mm-hmm. or I'm this young man. I want to marry him. Um, I think it's still good to tell like to your children. Okay. Then let's keep our eye on the prize. Yeah. You work right now. Your job in this season is to become mature and prepared yeah. for that season, next season of life. So do it really well. Yeah. Be, be friends, be in the same school, do all of that stuff, but we're mm-hmm. not going to permit one-on-one solo dates. We're not going to do a, you know, like you could be in the same friend group. We're going to, we're going to understand that we can't, you can't stop your child no. when they're in the same like no. social circles from, no. Falling in love with somebody. No, and that's that's okay. That happens. Yeah. You can help them establish healthy boundaries and good goals. And maybe the 16-year-olds are like, hey, I'm interested in you. I can't date right now, but I just want you to know. I'm friends. That's probably going to happen to some of your children. You think they should do that then? I'm not saying they necessarily should. I'm okay. saying it's probably going to happen with a lot of children. I think children. I have a son like that. I know. I know. <laughs> At least, at least one, uh, and he's his father's son is the problem. It's so true, <laughs> so cute. He reminded me literally this. I, I've been wondering because he hasn't brought her up in a while. Mm-hmm. He reminded me again this week. Oh, no. I'm gonna marry her. I'm like, oh, and boy. I told him this was the first time. I was like, "Well, we have to see if you're well suited when you're older. Yeah, when you're older." Yeah. And he was like, "What does well suited mean?" Because any <laughs> any goal we give him, like, "Well, you oh, have yeah. to this before." Okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. Mom. I'll do, I'll I'll do get that. It done. But I explained it to him, and he was like, okay, well, we'll see if we're well-suited then. <laughs> and that's what's so sweet about it is that we can we have these open conversations. We don't want to embarrass them. Like, this is no, the thing. I know. I You're really going to be so tempted to, like, embarrass or crush or squash. You want to direct and encourage and respect. I mean, how cool. I'm not saying this is what's going to happen, because also I think of this young girl, like, I also don't want to embarrass her or yeah, make her feel like, or lead awkward stuff in no, families. But, and, but how cool would it be if our kids, like that is kind of the ideal that yes. you meet someone from your childhood, that you guys both grow up in Christian families. You've known each other your whole lives. Your yeah. families are friends and you get married and you get it's to great. have, yeah, like yeah. that's ideal. How cool. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing um, before we run out of time here, I think is probably worth part of the conversation is to be, and we talked about this in the King's Hall, but one piece that you need to be thinking about, particularly if you're in our stage of life where you have kids who are younger and you're, you should be looking ahead, how can we prepare them well for marriage in the next season of their life and adult success? You, one thing you need to be thinking about is where you live and the type of community you're in. Because if you're in a community where you want a certain type of fruit, but there are none of those trees around. I'm sorry, you're not going to find it. You're not going to find you it You are there. setting your child up, literally. And I'm just saying this because... We live in a place like this. You're setting your child up for either not getting married or just marrying an unbeliever. Marrying and an unbeliever. Neither of those are ideal. So some ways that you can That's work on this. That's what I was going to say. Some ways that you can work on this. One of them is if you look at your situation, you're like, we're in a place where there are no solid churches, there's no thick Christian community, and we need to seriously consider moving. Do it. Seri- yeah. And I don't mean move. I mean seriously consider moving. Identify your situation. And one thing Dan and I talked about recently with this, I think on that episode of the King's Hall, but it was like, if you are find yourself where you have your 23-year-old daughter who marries an unbeliever against your, without your permission, because she was in an area where the church was weak, she didn't mm-hmm. end up having good Christian friends, grew up, and she married the people she was around at her work or school or whatever mm-hmm. it is, what would you give 
to have a do-over. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, that's so true. You'd give uh, half. You'd give um, what? Two hundred grand? No problem. You'd sell your house? No problem. Yeah. It's so you would because none of those things matter. Yeah. Compared to the success of your next generation. Wow, that's a good. So when thought. I'm when if I'm sitting in a place with young children, and I look at my community objectively, and I say this does not have the Christian community that's going to be necessary. Am I called to plant a church here? Is there a church coming here that's going to be able to do yeah. that? Am I going to be able to overcome this barrier? If no, then I'm probably going to be looking at relocating. Yeah. I'm just telling you what I would do. I'm yeah. not binding consciences here. It's your decision as, as a mother and father before the Lord. I'm not trying to be your Pope, but I'm just telling you that I would seriously consider moving. The other thing, and we we have a great community and we still consider this, is like going up to Grace Agenda. Yeah. Part of that is we've gone up there enough that our friends now have friends there. So they know we're going to go visit this family. We're going to go yeah. see our friends. This is what we did last year. Yeah. That's a connection that as they get older, I don't know where my future in-laws are no, going to come yeah. from. It might be up there. It might be, you know, out might in Ohio NSA. somewhere. It might, might be, be county before country yeah. folks at East River. So, it might but be even that, like the hard part about that is that like as a young mom right now, I've had people say like, well, isn't that a lot of work? I'm like, yeah, it's totally a and crap expense. ton of work. It's expensive. And I usually don't sit through anything, but it's not for me. It's for the kids. We don't go there for talks. No, we're going there for the kids. For the kids, so for relationships. If you're looking at um, like your vacationing time as you time, that's not, I'm just saying it can be a, it's, it can be a way to pursue providing a spouse for your kid. Yeah, strategic investment. Strategic is what I was looking it's for, a, strategizing. It can, it can be a strategic investment in relational capital with yeah. other communities. So make those connections. Consider moving if you need to. Um, one thing John Moody recently said, which actually shocked me, John Moody is like homesteader extraordinaire. He's written a book, The Frugal Homesteader, along with many others. Um, he's worked with Joel Salatin. We've we've commended his stuff before, and and he's also just a very mature and kind, yeah, and godly is. Christian man. So he he spoke at County Before Country that I was also at uh, a few weeks ago or last oh, week. Oh, I didn't know that you saw him. Yeah, I, got, I did get to see John Aww. and his wife, and they're just awesome. But he said again, homesteader extraordinaire. He was like Christians. The vast majority of you should never, ever, ever move out to a remote rural farm and try to homestead. Who are your children going to marry? Who are the, who's going to hire your children? What jobs are they going to have? So I do think it's important for some homesteady kind of people to, before you pull the trigger on buying that 100-acre farm yeah. out in the rural, rural boonies, you need to think this through. There's a reason that land is cheaper. And it's because people are the number one resource in your life. They're going to be. So I'm not saying you can never do that, but you do need to recognize that for most people, that is not going to be a successful long-term cultural yeah. move for their family. Yeah. What church are you going to go to? There's been multiple. I can even think of someone that Paige was telling me about recently. I don't even remember who it was, but a big family, like the ideal homesteading Instagram account. Okay. Uh -huh. And Paige was just talking to her saying like, oh, our, our church is just starting to get into some of this stuff. It's, it's fun to see it grow. Like, I can't wait to be more self-sufficient one day, you know? And she was like, actually you, you have the more, what was the word she used? You have the more sustainable model already. If you have a good church, Yes, I have the homestead, but no church. 
this is not a sustainable model. No, it's not sustainable. Yeah. And that was really like, whoa. <laughs> no. And I'm not saying if you're a listener and you're like the family farm, third generation, no, no, sell no, no, the farm. No, no, no. Not at all. I'm not saying you can't do this. We do need people in rural areas. But I am saying that for most people, the idea, especially people considering uprooting their families for the extremely yeah. rural life, it's probably not in terms of multi-generational success in your family, the, a great call. Some some mitigating factors can make it a good call, yeah. like knowing there's a good church there. Yeah. Maybe having yeah, yeah. a multi-generational Christian family in the region, that's huge. If you're like, no, no, I'm moving to a... My uncle's down the street. My dad's up the street. Yes. My grandfather farmed over there, and yeah. we have the local church. It's great. Okay, 100%, go for it. I'm not trying to discourage you. But if you're like, yeah, we know nobody, and we're moving to the most rural part we're of Kentucky. We're try this. And we're going to do farming. Well, okay, just think it through I first. would never, I would never, ever tell somebody to move somewhere unless they were committed to a church before going. I never would do that. Yeah. Never. Unless they had that identified already. Unless there's some reason that you must. Yeah, unless it was like the only job in the world that your husband yeah. could find. You've, you're contractually there obligated. There's just too many people we know that have done that, and they totally regret it. Mm -hmm. So think about those things. And, and I think long story short, as we wrap up this episode, helping our children marry well, dating, courtship, it's not here's the perfect model that's going to work for everybody. You need to be a wise parent who is reading all the situations and, and acting very proactively, and I mean 10 years out, starting to think about these things when you're 10, 15 years out with your children. So you can think, okay, at their age now, how can I demonstrate to them a marriage to my spouse that's going mm -hmm. to reinforce? Like we're able to, uh, I can say with a clean conscience, we're able to say to our children, like I'm able to say to my boys sometimes, does mommy yell at daddy? Does mommy, uh, like if my kids are being disrespectful or something, I say, does mommy treat daddy like that? Lexi can say to them, you know, when, uh, if the, if a boy is hitting his sister, does, does daddy hit mommy? And it's like those lessons of they're going to get their model for marriage largely for better or worse from what they see. And that starts with you, your spouse. So you better be smiling at each other, loving each other, confessing your sin, growing in grace together and presenting a good model for them so that their image of marriage is a, is a good one. And they have a good image of a man and a woman before God, what they should look like, what they should be pursuing. Any last thoughts? I think one thing that we've been thinking about more recently and when thinking about dating, it's important too, is an older woman once said, you need to think of a place in your home where you want teenagers to hang out. Yeah. And I think that's especially important when it comes to stuff like this to really get to know somebody that might be your child's future spouse is, are you a house that you, they would even feel welcomed in? Are you even a hospitable house? Yeah. Um, are, do you have a place? Cause I was talking to a friend at church, like it's not ideal to just send teenagers up to their rooms together. So if you don't have no. like a setup that is good for teens to just be teens, or if, if there can't be dirty shoes at the front door, you're probably not yeah. going to be the kind of house that your teenagers want to bring the girls and boys over to. Yeah. You'll get to know who they are even going to like. Yes. That's so, so true. So think about that. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening again, guys, send in your questions and we'll, we're still looking through them. So um, we hope to, to catch you next time on Bright Hearth.